Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. The Volume. This is Boxing with Chris Mannix. Oh, somebody punch him in the face. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this. Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. Well, Sergio, we have gotten to do... A lot of cool things in the last five years. We have been to Wembley Stadium. We have seen Canelo put 70,000 fans in AT&T Stadium in Texas. But I got to tell you, what we're going to do this weekend is probably the coolest. Uh, We are in Guadalajara, Mexico. Uh, In what theater are we in right now? Teatro de de Goyado, built in 1866 by Acobo Gades. It's cool. It is a old. Uh, it's it's just a, I don't know how to describe it. How would you? I know how to it? describe it. All right, go ahead. It, 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 it's something that uh, it's a theater that Abraham Lincoln w- would have okay. visited. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln. It's beautiful. We're Did, in the balcony. There's balcony seats. It's it's just a gorgeous. I don't theater. think you're allowed to say Abraham Lincoln in theater in the same. Okay, sense. Okay, Napoleon. <laughs> a theater that Napoleon would have visited. Well, we are in Guadalajara for Canelo Alvarez against John Ryder. That's a fight that's going to take place Saturday in Guadalajara on DAZN pay-per-view and it's going to be wild man right like 50,000 I was going to say people you corrected me 50,000 Mexicans boy it's a big uh, difference packed into an outdoor venue uh, just there to support their guy Canelo Alvarez has not fought on Mexican soil in 12 years Um, you know tickets have gone fast or did go fast for this fight, I mean, what kind of atmosphere are you expecting tomorrow? A uh, rabid one. I think it's going to be similar to uh, the, the British atmosphere that we see across the pond, uh, only it's going to be, like I, like I said, a, another passionate you know, fan base. And it's going to be, uh, you know, about Mexicans. Man, I love it. You know, I have, I have that, that, that rabid passion for boxing inside me. And wait till you see it tomorrow. I mean, we seen, we experienced something like this when we, when we did the Munguia fight in the, in the, uh, bull arena, mm. but this is going to be 10 times bigger than that. It's just passion, man. It, you, you got to feel it. You can't hear it. You got to actually, it's a sensation. It's not something you see. I'm excited, man. I think this is going to be one of our best shows ever. 
You know, you were telling me a cool story earlier the day about how Canelo was once on one of your undercards. So as we sit here, kind of at the pinnacle of Canelo's career, uh, you remember the very beginning. I remember the genesis. Is that the proper one? Fair enough. I remember the genesis of Canelo's rise to the top, to the top of the stratosphere. And that was uh, on my undercard. uh, I fought uh, Shane Mosley. And it was at the Staples Center. He was on an undercard fighting Carlos Baldemir. And he was at the end of the dais. I, uh, you know, Victor Ortiz was on that card. Uh, several other well-known fighters. But there's this red-headed Mexican at the end of the table. And when I was thanking everybody and, uh, you know, saying my speech, I looked at the end of the table and it said, in Spanish, I said, and to the Saul Canelo Alvarez, I heard a lot about you. I'm excited to watch you fight. My mom knows who you are. You're his favorite <laughs> fighter. <laughs> and he looked at me and kind of, you know, in the same way that he is now, just calm, cool, and reserved with his sunglasses on, just nodded at me and gracias. But, uh, yeah, he fought on my undercard and look at him now. Did you have any inkling back then that he would turn out to be the kind of star that he is? Yeah, yeah, he, I did because there was a, there was a, this magic that exuded when, when he just spoke, when people walked. You know, it's charisma, man. You can't teach that. And then, of course, that sensational knockout of Baldemir, you know, um, a former champion, and he, he just did it in, in a magnetic fashion. And people were already there with signs, you know, at the Staples Center. They know who he was. They know who he is, and that's why they're still following him. He's just one of these stars that we get once every 20 years so a couple storylines to follow with this fight on saturday let's start with canelo who is coming off not a long layoff he fought last september but he he did have surgery on that left hand uh, a left hand he says been bothering him for the last couple of years how significant do you think that is the fact that he got that hand fixed and is completely healthy going into this fight and the next phase of his career it's significant but it's nothing new i mean every champion will tell you that we fight through injury uh i don't care who you're talking about whether canelo alvarez or someone on the undercard of this fight everyone fights with some kind of maybe not pain but some something bothering them a fighter never goes 100 percent into a, a a fight I'm telling you, they go 99.9, 99, 98, 97, but never 100%. I remember I said this in front of Sugar Ray Leonard one time. We are doing a speech, and when I said that, he looked at him. He goes, you know what, Serge? And Ray's been in some of the biggest fights in the world, and he says, you're right. There was always something, like this little tinge of, of, of pain, of something, of an injury. So fighters never 100%, but whenever you have something that requires surgery, then that's going to be a different story because Canelo did get surgery on his wrist, I believe it was. He did, left hand, left wrist. So that's real pain. So whenever you actually have to have surgery, then then you know that's actually something that um, really bothered him that night. You got a lot of Sugar Ray Leonard stories, don't you? Man, I can write a book, but some of them are personal (laughs) and they'll never be out there. Could you tell the story about how you asked Sugar Ray Leonard what, what was it, what real power it looks like? What do you mean? What didn't he tell? Didn't wasn't there a story where? Oh yeah, but that one it's better to say in person. It just <laughs> won't. Tra- well, you got the audience can't see you every it day. Won't, it won't translate. Uh, I think it will. Tell the story. All right, look, I'm gonna. I'll give you the Reader's Digest version okay. of that story. So we're in Vegas. I was. We're on the Contender. We're filming at Caesar's Palace, and that's when Ray was still drinking red wine. So I was fetching his red wine, and you know we got Ray pretty good and and buzz. But earlier in that in that in that evening, or earlier in the day, we were at the pool, and we were getting fed grapes by these uh, Roman goddesses. You know they were doing the whole thing, the whole the whole stick in front of the cameras for the Contender. So I I I remember. I got uh, some cookies and Ray caught me getting cookies because I have a sugar tooth and you know I snuck him up to my room and he just started laughing and nodded his head so fast forward you know four, five, six hours later we're drinking red wine we're at Caesar's Palace people knowing who he is taking pictures red wine is flowing 
I look at Ray and I said, man, it must be great being you. He goes, it's not bad. It's not bad, Sergio. I said, what's the best thing about being you, man? Is it, is it the fame, the money, the power? He goes, the power. That's exactly what it is. I go, I don't know. It went over my head. I don't know what the hell he meant by that. I, I just see beautiful women taking pictures of them, all the money. So about 20 minutes later, he looks at me. He says, Sergio, come here. You still got them cookies? I said, yeah, Ray, they're in my room. I'm up in the 80, 54th floor. I'll go get them for you. So I'll, I went up there to the 54th floor. I fetched them. I came right back. Here you go, Ray. He looked at me and he says, now that's power. <laughs> I love that story. That's one of my all-time favorite you and Ray Leonard stories. That's power. I love it. I love it. Um, all right, to, to talk about Canelo for a minute, um, the injury was something he was obviously dealing with last year. But last year was not the best year of his career. Probably would be one of the worst. Not financially, of course. Made a boatload of money fighting Dmitry Bivol, fighting Gennady Golovkin. But he lost to Bivol and didn't dominate Golovkin the way a lot of people expected him to. Uh, do you think last year was a step back for Canelo? Um, yeah, it had to be. I mean, it knocked him off the number one pound-for-pound ranking. Uh, he finally lost again to an undefeated you know, solid, great fighter in Bevel, uh, with a disciplined jab, footwork. You know, he he kept his distance. Everything that Floyd Mayweather did, and that's what gives Bevel. I mean, that will get that's what give Canelo issues. But yeah, anytime you lose, you know, even though it's to an undefeated fighter who's at the top of his game, even though he's a lot bigger, there's always there's always gonna be that. Yeah, but you lost, and that's just the way it is. You know, no matter how much you bite off to try to be great like Canelo's doing, you know, I mean, he's fighting monsters at light heavyweight, and when he loses, you know, people are just going to say, okay, well, who's next in line to be pound for pound number one? That's how fickle the sport is, but whenever you dare for greatness, you have to do that. You have to, you know, you have to have that, that exceed your reach. That's why you get you know, put into the history books. That's how you're known as one of the greatest. And that's what Canelo's striving for. He's not striving just for the money and for the fame and what he's doing here. He wants to be one of the greatest fighters ever. And, 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 and I, you know, deep down well, inside. Well, he's, he's already and, and one deep, of the And deep down, let me finish, Mannix. I'm your guest. Okay. <laughs> okay. Deep down inside, I know he wants the respect of the Mexican people because we know that number one, Chavez, you know, Julio Cesar Chavez, the El Gran Campeón Mexicano, he's never going to be able to get out of that, 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 that sh- I, shadow, I guess, that, that shadow, but he's going to pave his own way. And deep down inside, he wants to be the greatest Mexican ever and one of the greatest ever in boxing. Well, he's already one of the greats of this generation, unquestionably. The question is, can he get back to that pound-for-pound pound number one level? Um, he's going to have opportunities when it comes to opponents, whether it's a rematch with Dimitri Bivol. David Benavidez is out there. There's already been talk about Edgar Berlanga at some point in the near future. Canelo's going to have these big fights. Do you think at 32 years old, coming off a significant surgery, he can get back to that number one pound-for-pound pound level? Yeah, absolutely. I, I had surgery on my on my thumb, and I thought it was going to hinder my fighting, and, and, and it doesn't because once you wrap your hands, you know, you wrap your hands professionally, you know, done with tape, with gauze, and then you just do it in a, in a way where it's not going to bother you that part of your wrist, and then you put it inside the glove and you, you hope for the best. So, no, I don't think that wrist injury is going to be uh, an issue. It's just the accumulation of injuries, you know, if, if the elbows, the knees, you know, the little hits behind the jaw that you know th- those little things start catching up so it it just the 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 addition i guess the the so the, the pile on accumulation, accumulation yeah. of injuries that's what actually gets to a fighter it's not just one certain one 
But he's fought a lot of fights over the years. You pointed this out a few times that he's been fighting since he was, what, 15, 16 15? years old, 60-some-odd yeah. professional fights. Um, is he too worse for wear to get back to that level? No. I mean, I, I just think that's the way these great Mexican uh, fighters are raised. You know, they, they – they I mean, Chavez had over 100 fights. I mean, 80 before he started really getting that worldwide attention. Um a lot of fighters do that. Uh, some of the greatest Mexican fighters, 60-plus fights, 70-plus fights, and that's just the, their work ethic, man. That's just what they go through, their body, what they put their body through, the wars they go through, but they, their body just knows that they evolved. They evolved differently. And there's a lot of fighters that way, not just Mexican fighters, but I could just speak for the Mexican passion and, and the way that these fighters are, are groomed. You know, they're groomed through 40, 50 fights before they really start fighting the greatest of their generation, and their body's been through it already. So the first fight and the first test for Canelo since he had that surgery is going to be John Ryder. I think a lot of people look at Ryder and say, well, this is a tune-up fight. It's a comeback fight. And in some ways it is. But John Ryder, even though he has five losses, I think is a lot better than people are giving him credit for. For starters... As a super middleweight, John Ryder's a lot better than what he was at middleweight. At middleweight, he was trying to cut down to 160 pounds, which was very tough for him. At super middleweight, he's only got two close losses to Rocky Fielding and to Callum Smith. And in both those fights, he went to those fighters' backyards to take them. He's been a road warrior his entire career, and that's exemplified um, in a, a situation like this. So I'll put it to you this way. How dangerous an opponent is John Ryder? Well, he's definitely not a tune-up, and he's definitely not just an opponent. I would call him a dangerous, stay-busy fight. I think that's respect enough. It's a stay-busy fight. It's not, you know, uh, um, it's not he's fighting a, another champion. He's not fighting a guy that's never been beat or never knocked out. We know, we know what John Ryder is. It's a, it's a dangerous, respect. How about this? It's a respectful, respectful stay-busy fight that you, you can look in John Ryder, you can look at his resume, you can look at his fights, and you can see if stylistically he can pose problems to Canelo because Canelo's been fighting, you know, guys that are six foot plus, and that's why he uses his advantages. Uh, but Ryder's going to be pretty much equal, not only in height, maybe one inch taller, but uh, in stature, the shoulders, the wide neck. The, I think Ryder's actually going to be physically stronger than Canelo, but, of course, Canelo's going to be more explosive and powerful and fast. Um, it's just, like I said, it's, it's, it's one of these fights that you're such a favorite that people expect you to run over a fighter like Ryder, but Ryder doesn't get ran, ran over. You know, he's, he's the type of guy that, he's, he's not an easy rider, per wow. se. Per se. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to go. Uh, hey, I'm using that. All right, dibs. You got it. Um, I think with Ryder, like, he, look at his resume. and I just made that up, by the way. I, I'm glad you did. I'm glad it took you three days to come up with that. Um, you go back to the Callum Smith fight in, what was it, 2019. And look, a lot of people thought he won that fight. I thought he won that fight. If he had won that fight, you have to go all the way back to 2017 when he last lost. And this past year was the best year of John Ryder's career. He beat Daniel Jacobs. You should ask him about that, how, what that feels like. And then he beat Zach Parker, legitimately, both times. Yeah, Zach Parker broke his hand, but John Ryder was winning that fight before Zach Parker bowed out. So... You can make an argument that right now John Ryder is fighting the best boxing of his career. Yeah, you definitely can. I mean, he has the two best uh, victories on his resume back to back, and there's such thing as momentum. And like I like I told him uh, when we when we were face to face, I said, "Do you think this is either something that you're destined for, like you're destined for greatness, or is it something like 
ignorance is bliss type where you don't know how how tough this is going to be and you're just walking around happy that you're here and he's a serious he's a serious person you know i try to get him to joke around i that's not his thing and it's not his thing man he has this stoic look on his face very reserved very serious but he's respectful and uh, he looked at him he says no i I believe this was uh this was destiny you know And, and he walks around with that with that chip on his shoulder and he walks around with that confidence that quiet confidence i love what i'm seeing man and 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 there's this powerful thing about not not believing the odds not believing what people think about you and it reminded me when i was on the contender i was like a 16-1 to lose i mean to to win that that tournament but i walked around thinking i was king kong there and this man calls himself the gorilla so i walked around knowing i was going to beat these guys and that i was a favorite but it was something that i was i felt i was destined for you know and you can't teach that it's just this 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 thing that you have and you and Ryder has that and he's walking around the hotel with that and and that's all you need when you're facing 50,000 people because it's only you and Canelo and your destiny on your shoulders. It's a powerful motion. He's very relaxed. There's no doubt about it. He has not looked uh, rattled at all this week. We'll see if that's still the case when he steps into the ring in front of 50,000 fans. But for now, he looks like he's at least mentally ready for the moment. And when you talk to people in Ryder's team, whether it's Eddie Hearn, Tony Sims, his trainer, look, they were pissed off about the Callum Smith decision a few years ago, but now they look at it almost like a blessing. I mean, Callum Smith rode that win all the way to a Canelo fight in late 2021, and that was the best of Canelo. Canelo was peaking at that time. They believe in Ryder's camp, right or wrong, that they might be catching Canelo at the right time. And that's something that was destined to happen, like his trainer. What what was his name, Tony? Tony Sims. Tony, Tony. When we sat with Tony uh, Sims, he says, hey, man, listen, if we would have got that decision against Callum Smith, then we would have fought Canelo. We weren't ready for them then. You know, it's kind of like we would have been, we would have jumped at the opportunity, but we're not the same beast, that same monster. We don't have the same gorilla here. Now we got a fighter that, you know, I'm going to say it again, gorilla going to, you know, Skull Island because basically he's going to Skull Island here. You know, he's going, he's fighting in the back of Mexican King Kong's backyard and, and he's doing it with, with confidence and, and coming out back to back great wins. So this is the best of John Ryder, and I don't think we would have got the best of John Ryder back when Callum Smith fought him. All right, so put yourself in John Ryder's position. Give yourself John Ryder's skill set. What does he do to beat a guy who has only been beaten by the very best? Uh, well, you don't you don't put yourself on that pedestal. You realize that you're you're John Ryder, and you fight within your 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 limits. You know he has. He's very strong on the inside. He has good timing. He knows how to uh, pounce in and out. Uh, very strong. Uh, he's a southpaw, so he knows how to use those southpaw angles. And he has a he has a really strong left uh, right hook. That's going to be the key right there. I think if he can he can catch Canelo in between the shots because Canelo has the faster hands. He's more explosive combinations. Ryder can't compete with that speed, but if Ryder can punch in between the shots, which he does, he was doing that with Daniel Jacobs, especially in the second half of the fight. If he can back up Canelo like he did Danny, Danny Jacobs in the second half of the fight, I've been in there with Jacobs. The dude's a beast. He's strong. He's powerful. And if you can back up a monster like that, you can bet you can – you can uh, uh, walk down a fighter that started his career at 140, like Canelo. So Ryder's going to be the naturally stronger fighter, and if he can fight like the natural stronger fighter and 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 get some some early confidence, yeah, he can make it this difficult. And of course, he's going to need luck, man. Let's, let's not be ignorant here. Right? He's going to need luck on his side as well. He's going to need you know Canelo maybe to uh, to show a little rust, to show a little uh, uh, concern for that wrist. He's going to maybe. I don't know, something. There needs to be luck on Ryder's side. So he rides the momentum, he rides his confidence, the game plan, the strategy, and luck. And I think if all that pulls together, we can see something special. You mentioned 
how he has to have success early. I think he almost has to survive early. Like, there's going to be a lot of energy in Canelo Alvarez early in this fight from the crowd, from being back in the ring, getting off, coming off the surgery. And Ryder, he, he, against Daniel Jacobs, he lost five of the first six rounds, maybe all six of the first rounds. He came on in the second half of the fight. And I think within Ryder's camp, there's a belief that Canelo, at his age and with the wear and tear, that second halves of fights he might not be as strong anymore and you kind of saw that with Dimitri Bivol you definitely saw that with Gennady Golovkin Golovkin got back into the fight to a degree uh in the second half of it uh do you think kind of surviving should be part of the strategy early what you call survival is what we call strategy so no I think John said it was a strategy but you said survive twice so you're making it seem like he's just you know uh he he, he's Panic, I don't think though, early I don't on, though, I hate the word survive, lot, man. But there's going to be a lot you of energy. Use, Mannix, you don't use the word survive unless you're hurt or you're trying to survive, unless you're holding on, unless you're taking a knee, unless you're doing whatever it takes, you're, you're, you're boxing and moving. No. Ryder needs to follow a game plan, which it, it appears they have, and he needs to get out of those rounds. It's not survive. I mean, That's no. kind of the same thing. You're a writer, man. Pick the right word. Kind of the same thing. No, it's not the same thing. Survive means like there's there's concern. There's concern in, in, in what you're doing. There has to be a quiet confidence, which he has, and there has to be strategy and a game plan, which I believe he has. And if he can get out of those early rounds, there you go, get out of those early rounds, and then fight his heart out, and then really show some balls in the in the second half of the fight, then we might have something special. But survive is not the right word. This man's a fighter. Do you think anyone's had more fun in Guadalajara than you? No. I'm, I'm <laughs> loving it, man. I mean, I, just, I, I heard about this city, uh, and I'm passionate about this city. And uh, yeah, man, everyone's excited. Do you think Canelo is trying to forget that Mosley fight as much as the rest of us? Sadly, see. <laughs> I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening.